ICOs, oof, not great. Like NFT mints, oof, not great. But we have to remember that like that part of the market cycle for financial assets exists before and after crypto. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we don't see it in the, in the traditional world is because by the time a traditional equity IPOs on the stock market, all of that speculation by early VCs, the first round of financing, the second round of financing, that's not available to the general public. Yeah. And so this is the naked truth of markets. And now it's public and the public is reacting to it. Is friend.tech good or bad? That's the conversation David and I want to have today. This is a special episode, I think uh, an opinion episode, getting into some controversy here. Friend.tech, this is an app that has dominated the crypto landscape for the last two weeks, kind of exploded on the scene, and now it's breaking out into mainstream audiences. These are non-crypto audiences. So should we pat ourselves on the back? Is this a moment for victory lap and congratulations? Or do we need to take a moment to more carefully reflect on the consequences of this new financialized social application? Some questions we're asking today. Is friend.tech good or bad? Are financialization and Ponzi games all that crypto can really give to the world? Is any of this even a correct conclusion? Or maybe we're just moralizing this whole crypto thing too much. These are the conversations I want to have with you today, David. Uh, what are your thoughts going to this episode? Why are we even doing it? I think on the surface level, friends.tech, friend.tech is a fun, fun game for crypto influencers and their followers to all kind of play together. And I think simultaneously, while that, you know, shenanigans is happening, there's another conversation brewing as to like, what what do, are the deeper consequences of an application like this if it does scale to the whole mainstream world? Is this the crypto dream? Is this what it means to be a crypto person? Uh, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people are here for that mission or that future. And so I think we also need to also define the concerns that people are having about what, what are the values basically embedded into an application like friend.tech. And we can't seem to, as a crypto industry, create too much other than some form of financialization of things uh, that already exist, like social media apps. And so is this all that we have to give? Do we? Is this what we have for the world is, hey, here is your Web 2 and Web 3 is Web 2, but now with finance. Is that really it? Is that And is that what we want? And is that good? I think there's a lot of different little nuances to unpack. And so that's what we're going to do here on this episode. Yeah, I think this is a good opportunity to uh, to figure out what we really care about and why we're here. Mm -hmm. And uh, any excuse to do that, um, we, we take it on Bankless. So guys, that's what you're in for today. Before we get to the episode, we want to thank the sponsors that made this possible, including our recommended exchange for 2023, Kraken. Go check them out. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses EigenLayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1 with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. 
And now, Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling technology to build your own Layer 3, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. I put the question, is friend.tech good or bad for crypto out on Twitter? And of course, most of my followers, just like yours, David, they, they skew crypto native. And I was actually really surprised at what the results were. So uh, good, that option, got 53%. Bad, got 47%. Let me ask you, before we continue this episode, were you surprised by results like these? Certainly. Yeah, I was ready for good to mostly dominate the fact that we were basically at 50-50. I was surprised as to how many friend defectors there are out there, friend naysayers. Yeah, and I will say on Bankless, um, the last couple of weeks, we've been pretty favorable about it. It seems like a new proof of concept application. Mm -hmm. So this is an alternative opinion I think we need to hear. This is Anthony Sasano replying to this tweet. He says, I haven't seen crypto Twitter this divided on something in a while. And I think he's right. We've uh, There are a lot of um, haters out there mm -hmm. of this entire friend.tech experiment. And um, that's important to go into. David, before we talk about kind of the, the controversy and uh, the pros and cons of this particular application, maybe we should spend a minute actually defining what this thing is. So this is what we might call a social fi. That's been a, a term going around uh, lately as a sort of a new narrative, but it's like a social Ponzi game on the layer two uh, base. And, and notice, by the way, I said Ponzi game, mm -hmm. which is very distinct from a Ponzi scheme. Um, to us, and you know how we've long used this term, a Ponzi game is completely transparent. You kind of know what you're getting into. Um, I would say, in some ways, Bitcoin is a bit of a Ponzi game. Something like Ethereum, Ether the asset, is a bit of a Ponzi game. I like. I even think the dollar, fiat, is a bit of a Ponzi game. It's something that gets its value from narrative belief. So don't be distracted by our use of the term Ponzi game, but. Uh, it's maybe a very distracting term. Specifically, yeah, the, the game element implies a scheme, a scheme is a scheme and a game is a game. A Ponzi scheme implies there's a central operator who has differing incentives. And a Ponzi game is simply referencing the fact that in order for this to be successful, we need to have a constant inflow of new people mm. in order for this to work. New believers. New, new, new believers, believers, if yes. you will. And, and I actually don't want to necessarily ascribe, like, whether or not something is a Ponzi game is a very deep and long conversation. And I think longtime Bankless listeners who have perhaps listened to every single Bankless episode will understand the nuances that come with that term. Mm. Um, it's got a very negative connotation and we actually are using it in a very neutral way, I would say. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I think part of the world of money and finance, like the dollar, it's a piece of paper and people are paying money for it. It's a Ponzi game in the sense that it's almost synonymous. A Ponzi game is almost synonymous with finance. And so I don't want to ascribe necessarily some sort of like opinion to this word Ponzi. It's just like when you go very deep and understand the world of money and finance, you understand that, well, everything is a story and everything is kind of a Ponzi. And what is the dollar? Well, it's a Ponzi that doesn't pop. And so there's a lot of like, there's a lot of connotation baked into this Ponzi word. I don't want to get distracted by that. Yeah. So I probably shouldn't have led with this loaded term if you're mm -hmm. not familiar with, with all of that background. So, so let me maybe uh, restart that. This is a social game of yes. sorts on, on crypto. Social on this, financialization game. Yeah. Social financialization game where you can buy and sell your, your friends, essentially, or shares of your friends. Could you describe this in a bit more detail, David? So when you log into this new app, FriendTech, you connect your Twitter account. And so you need a Twitter account to get started. And that's because you, you are using your social graph on Twitter to bootstrap your social graph on Friend. Uh, it's friend.tech. I always want to say friends. Uh, as soon as your Twitter account gets loaded up, you are given a base address and then you load up your address with some ether and you buy your first share of yourself. And that mm. opens up your room and any of your shareholders, these are now called keys, any of your mm -hmm. key holders can unlock your room so your key holders can start to chat with you. And so every single person on Friend has their own room and they get to chat with anyone who owns some of their keys. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go back to start using When you Friend say shares. room, 
You mean you mean chat room? It's right? a chat room. It's a okay. chat room. Yes. And so me as someone who has a bunch of Twitter followers, when I made my room, a bunch of my followers were able to buy my shares and we were able to start to chat with each other. I have a hundred and ninety thousand followers on Twitter. I have uh, I think like sixty shareholders on Friend. And mm. so I so that's a much smaller concerted group of people. And these people have paid anywhere between 0.01 to 0.5 ether to be in that room. Um, the importantly, the price of shares is on a bonding curve. And so as more shares are minted, the price of these things go up. If you are a shareholder, you can burn your share at any time and you will receive back the current price of the bonding curve. And so if you bought my share at like 0.01, well, you could sell it today into the bonding curve for 0.5 because uh, that is how much one of my shares is worth. And so this is where it starts to get into a little bit of a, of a financialization system. Uh, the more shareholders you have, the more expensive you, you are, uh, which is kind of what a free market does. The only thing that's different is that this is on a fixed curve. Uh, and so a lot of influencers, oh, and uh, also importantly, when you buy or sell a share, there is a 10% uh, tax that is charged. And that ah. tax is split 50-50. One half goes to the creators of Friend Tech, and then the other half goes to the, uh, the, sh the person that you are selling that share for. And so me as a, and anyone on the app, they also accumulate trading fees for anyone who is buying or selling your shares. And so you get more money as people sell or buy your shares. So as a creator, mm -hmm. uh, you are essentially getting trading fees anytime someone buys fees, yeah. or sells. So, so you want you kind of as a creator, you sort of I, I'm I'm using this term creator. But I think creator is the right term. I think that's okay, the right creator, term. creator influencer. Mm -hmm. These things might be synonymous in the rest of this conversation. Uh, you're incentivized towards volume, I suppose. Yes, you're that, incentivized that's one towards volume. Yeah. And as an owner of these shares, again, they're called keys, but we'll mm -hmm. use that term synonymously again. As the owner of these shares, you're incentivized towards a uh, number goes up. Yes. Right, you start to get more bullish. And what's right. interesting here is uh, you have you said one hundred ninety thousand mm -hmm. followers on Twitter. Mm -hmm. It's free on Twitter to follow David. Yep. Okay, to get access to this room costs money, and right. it costs money to an increasing degree, which mm -hmm. uh, is a completely different game Dynamic, that we're yeah. playing. Mm -hmm. The the other thing I, I guess I'll mention is, of course, this is all on DeFi Rails, right? Right. So that means uh, this is smart contracts. Everything's very composable. I think I saw maybe last weekend, David, though you've been tracking this much more closely than I have, like the ability to sort of export these friend shares, these friend keys as an ERC-20. So I could like start to buy David shares if I want on regular Uniswap uh, bonding curves. Is, is that correct? Or, correct? or it's like these things are plugged into other areas yes. of the open DeFi economy. Yes, that's right. It's a money Lego. And so some, pe <laughs> some people were uh, able to make a contract that buys or sells shares on the bonding curve and then also turn those shares into ERC-20 tokens that can be built into Uniswap. So it's pluggable in with the rest of DeFi. It's composable. Okay. Now, uh, the question that my mind goes to is like, oh, cool, we've created something uh, neat we think mm -hmm. is neat or some s segment thinks is neat. Is anyone using it? What is the answer to that question? Is anyone actually using this thing? The answer is definitely yes. Uh, Friend Tech got d uh, released about two weeks ago. 110,000 unique addresses have connected to, uh, to Base and to, to Friend Tech. Uh, so that is 110,000 unique Twitter accounts. Uh, and so... While we typically don't ascribe unique addresses to unique users for many reasons, this one actually has stronger assurances than other platforms because of the connection to Twitter. So that's basically call it 100,000 people inside of two weeks. And some people from the Web2 world are not impressed by those numbers. But let me tell you, in crypto and Web3, right. these are big these are freaking big numbers, numbers. Especially okay? for the bear market. Like our biggest apps don't see this kind of uh, daily active, monthly active type of activity in crypto. Mm -hmm. So our our apps, crypto apps, are are most often, um, you know, I guess sized based on value in assets mm -hmm. under management or total locked value. These types of measures. So when we see a large group, a mm -hmm. large gr of real humans using an app, that's a pretty big freaking deal. I also saw like tweets from Brian Armstrong, um, right. for example, the transactions per second that a base is serving up has now surpassed Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that traffic is dri driven by this, this, uh, this application, the Friends.tech yeah. application. We're at 2 million total transactions from Friends 
Uh, and then also there's 21, almost 22,000 Ether in trading volume, which is about $38 million. So $38 million have changed hands because of this application. Now, reminder, that's 10% of a fee is, is taken on the, all of that trading volume. So that's, and then that itself is split down the middle between creators and the team. And so that's basically almost $2 million in revenue for the team and almost $2 million in cumulative revenue for all the creators on the app. I mean, not bad for two weeks, right? Yeah. yeah. And this mm -hmm. thing looks like it might be picking up more steam, even though I think volumes are down like the last 24 hours or so. Mm -hmm. This looks like it's leaking into mainstream, almost in a way that um, NFTs did. What are we looking yeah. at here, David? Yeah, so this is just a composite of a number of different things that I saw on Twitter. Uh, we have on the top left, FaZe Banks, uh, Gracie Hardy, Grayson Allen as new people playing in Friends. FaZe Banks is a YouTuber. Gracie Hardy is an OnlyFans creator. Grayson Allen is an NBA player. So three different, very different corners of the internet. <laughs> very different. Yeah. Uh, we also have Disclosure, who is a DJ duo, very crypto-native DJ duo, uh, friends with the Delphi Digital guys, and Delphi Digital got them into friend tech. And then on the right, we just see what is what was my home screen, where you can just kind of see global activity. And like I know what a crypto person is and who they are, and I can definitely tell that the uh, Kesu Heart only at fans in bio person is not a crypto person. That is an OnlyFans creator. <laughs> and so you can just see the different um, people that have shown up for uh, you know using friend tech. It makes sense that um, who's next in going to after the crypto natives to adopt this um, platform? Well, it's going to be creator economy folk, and that's that's going to be OnlyFans uh, and also YouTubers. People who create and have fans, just general social media type stuff. So there we go. This could go from a, a crypto native sort of toy to mainstream very quickly, mm -hmm. right? And uh, that's what we see happen to NFTs. So it's not unprecedented even crypto for us to get these breakout applications. And this shows hints and signs of a major breakout application. Of course, it might not be friend.tech, it could be some other social uh, finance application that's using a similar mechanism, but like it's early and it's showing signs. As I mentioned in the intro, um, David and I, Bankless has mostly been supportive of this experiment. I mean, it seems fun to us. Mm -hmm. Hey, people are using our apps, it's great, it's crypto, right? right. It's, it's DeFi. Um, it's getting private keys in the hands of of more people. I think there's some question as to what how non-custodial this wallet is. The implementation details aside, this has the potential to get usage on layer twos up. Uh, and uh, that's always a good thing. More people, more block space, more apps that go mainstream. The worst case scenario for me for crypto is like we build all this stuff and no one actually uses it. Mm -hmm. um, but... And this is what I think the rest of this episode is about. There's also some arguments against this. Uh, some people in the crypto community, as we mentioned earlier, 42, 43%, actually hate this experiment. They're actually uh, very much resistant to it. And we want to give air and oxygen to that opinion too, because I think there's some merit here and I think it's worth consideration. So shall we dive into that now, David? Yeah, that's it. All right, so this was a tweet that was brought to my attention from someone uh, in the Bankless Discord from Autism Capital. You know, uh, it's an interesting account here, but right. regarding FriendTech, it's sad that after SBF, there's no pretense of doing good through crypto anymore or even trying to change the world for the better. No more talk of decentralization, no saving the world, no conviction at all. Vitalik is quiet. All the old layer one promoters are quiet. All the loud voices have cashed out and gone silent. There was nothing learned from the last cycle of scammers, shitcoin promoters, and massive founder secondaries. You were all dumped on by these guys. Now you're allowing yourself to be dumped on again with this new bullshit. You learned nothing. And now the shell of crypto is all purely PVP from the other guy now. The NFT scumbaggery managed to get even worse. Concentrated, zero value creation for the world. Absolute Moloch. Congratulations, you played yourself. And in the short term money grab, you're cheapening the broader narrative of crypto being a force for change for a short term fool's game. And the response to this will likely be LOL, STFU. I don't know. I'm making fees. Wow. Yeah. Oof. Pretty, pretty hard hitting statements. There was also a take from a bankless citizen um, that this tweet uh, spawned a conversation inside of the bankless uh, discord. And so the, the citizen said, in my opinion, it's incredibly rec reckless and I lose respect for anyone who is presenting this app as some kind of breakout Web3 app. Have fun with it if you want until you lose your money. 
but it has nothing to do with Web3 or crypto values. The entire premise of financializing social relationships is also, in my opinion, a contemptible concept worthy only of mockery. Hmm. Big influencer accounts found yet another way to extract value from the herd, so this craze will continue until the next fashionable Ponzi is unveiled. It's not what I signed up for, but let's face it, no one gives a damn. If you have .eth in your name, it's just experimenting and anything goes. Who cares? that I'm shilling this to ordinary people who are going to get wrecked. Me and all my rich friends are making free money. This is great. All of the innovative tech is just used to create more advanced Ponzi's. Now, this is a, a take that I think I think this is well articulated for the contrarian side of uh, friend tech. And I this agree. is also a sentiment that I've heard across crypto, um, both inside and outside of crypto. And just overall, I would say this shares a sentiment with a very deep concern about crypto. Like we have many, many apps that look and feel and share some elements with friend tech. And it's about like the underlying structure of these things and concerns about financialization at its very core. And mm-hmm. some things I think are very deeply tied to what crypto is. Like mm-hmm. crypto almost is synonymous with financialization. Mm-hmm. I know there's a bunch of non-financial use cases of crypto that we are really trying to crack the nut of, things like identity. Uh, but for now, really the thing that crypto has been able to do is produce more finance than we had before. And I think a lot of people are in crypto for deeper reasons than that, and they get jaded by all of these financialization apps that seem to blow through into mainstream before anything else. Well, I get it. I mean, like 2022, that was that was all mm-hmm. greed inspired, right. right? That was all I was seeing. That so you, the, the 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 comments that you just articulated. We've also heard that from crypto skeptics who are yep. also fairly crypto knowledgeable, like like mm-hmm. Molly White. Like you're just financializing everything. Yeah. You're just creating pyramid games out of everything and preying on your social relationships. And is that really what crypto is about? So I think the aversion here is, is crypto just becoming this gambling, greed-inspired Ponzi thing right. that seems custom-built to only serve already rich influencers. All right? That's like, mm-hmm. when you look at this platform, that's what it kind of looks like. And here we are, we're bankless, right? We're crypto, decentralized values. We're supposed to be changing the world. And we're celebrating this hollowed out Ponzi game yet again. And people are going there, scratching their heads, and they're like, is that the best that we we have? Is right. this what we're offering to the world? Like, And here we are in the bear market, and we've talked about this being sort of the build, build market where the tourists are, are gone, the settlers stay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're supposed to be building stuff that helps the world, that drives utility to real people. And instead, we're getting caught in these cheap tourist traps. And so pe- some people are looking at this and they're going, that's not what I signed up for. I, I'm not saying I agree entirely with that sentiment and we'll discuss why, but I think that's like a summation of it for me. I think a lot of frustration comes from how readily accepting uh, crypto was of friend tech. And I, and I think the current state of crypto could probably be excused from that. Um, because like like what did we have in 2022? We had uh, stable algo stable coins that were unbacked completely blow up. We had a Ponzi that went to zero, and now everyone hates crypto. And we are desperately seeking validation from mainstream society in any way, shape, or form. And so I think um, a lot our standards perhaps are lower than they otherwise would be because we finally have these protocols that we're pretty proud of, I'd say. We have base, the layer two, that everyone is really optimistic about. And the transactions are cheap. And the transactions are cheap and free. And the UX is great, right? And onboarding is so fast. And so this, a lot of crypto is like, look at at what we can do. Look at this latent power that we have. As Mm. soon as somebody can figure out how to put all the pieces together, we will have explosions of mainstream applications. And so I think crypto and myself included are the reason why we accepted friend app uh, friend tech so quickly is is because of this. Is like as we able we were it's proof that we are able to go mainstream. Um, yes, it was with this financialization of social relationships. Um, and yes, I like soon as I got into friend tech, I was like, "Oh, this is a transfer of wealth from small to large." This is what is built in here. Like, am, am I going to like me as a as somebody with 190,000 followers? I go into friend tech and I immediately get 0.4 ether from trading. You fees have an advantage. Obviously. I have the advantage, sure. right? And and so that, but I'm willing to excuse that because influencers are exist both inside and outside of crypto, 
and there's no new dynamics here. Like, you know, the people with 1 million accounts on Instagram also get tailwinds of capital and mm. fame and stuff like this, right? So now the only thing that's different is we are taking that same power that influencers have in the first place in Web 2, and now we're also layering on financialization onto it, which is what happens in, in Web 3. And so I think a lot of us kind of excused that element because we were just so stoked to see something actually work and break out uh, out of this bear market. But maybe it's also fine. I, I can tell in your response there that you're de like deeply considering that alternative and, and you're kind of like wondering, well, do, you know, is this bad? Mm -hmm. I, you know, I even question the premise of why should you feel bad for this? Do you like, why should any influencer sort of feel bad for this, right? Isn't this just another kind of mechanism? Uh, I mean, I guess a few things I'd say, and this would be sort of the, the opposite take, and then we'll get to what you and I maybe think about this and we'll bat mm -hmm. this back and forth a little bit though. Um, your one take is this is just a pre POC. It's a proof of concept, right? So it's basically like, look what we can do with this new social fi stack. And, uh, you know, our transactions are cheap and this is a layer two flexing its muscle and we can mm -hmm. get by the app store and Android. Right. And like, it might not be this, but like, isn't this great? We're selling right. block space. Look at the potential here. Right. Um, Even if friend tech is evil, the ends justify the means because it shows sure, us the path. Sure. And, and there's like, look, we vampire attacked a, a, an evil web two company, right? Isn't right. that the whole like purpose? Right. Like people are so, you know, incentivized to port their social graphs. Um, so, so that, that's one element. And I said, on a roll-up, I think a week ago, like I've switched bullish on mm -hmm. so SocialFi as a result yeah. of, of this experiment. But, but I also want to question the premise of like, why, why you should even feel bad about this? Mm -hmm. Do you know? Because it's transparent. Right. Like e everybody knows that there is a bonding curve mm -hmm. and that like what they're getting, if they buy David keys or anybody's keys is just access to a chat room. Like I mm -hmm. almost feel similar to how I felt about JPEGs, at right. least in the early stages, which is like, Guys, you're buying a JPEG. Right. It's a picture. There's nothing hidden there. There's nothing hidden. This is like, so if you want to value art, like, you know, and you think the Mona Lisa is valuable, other, other right. elements of art, and you don't really know why. Well, like, it's all about kind of social cultural value. And that stuff can be so mm -hmm. fleeting. But you know exactly what you're buying when you're buying a board Ape JPEG, don't you? I think, like, and I think this is why people were getting excited because say you're not a crypto person, you don't need to explain a bonding curve. Like, oh yes. yeah, when when you buy shares or keys, it's the price expensive. goes up. Yeah. yeah, and people are like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. So that's the thing. I'm not sure that you should feel bad about this, right? right. And that that's where the conversation is. And, and there's another retort, which is like, what's wrong with, with having fun? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I could also say like, um, people can't stop it, right. right? So another reaction to somebody who is. Um, like worried about this and concerned about this is okay. Don't use it. There's lots of games that I don't play in crypto. Right. Like I just choose not to. Like you get to choose your character class when you enter. You can right. be a trader if you want. You can just stack mm -hmm. ETH. You don't have to do mm -hmm. it. You can you can get into the NFT community and trade JPEGs, or you don't have to. Like you could just opt out. Yeah. So what do you think about those replies? Yeah, and every single I, I think a lot of people are ascribing responsibility to the platform when they ought to ascribe more responsibility to the individual creators and how they manage their own shares and how they manage their own bonding curve, right? Uh, and so I saw a quote from this, um, one of these accounts who was saying like, oh yeah, Suzu, who is like one of the lead creators on Friend Tech, not no, a great look. he isn't? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's, is? He's like in the top 20 leaderboard, yeah. Oh my And so like God. somebody somebody said like, oh yeah, Suzu is in his own chat room saying that he thinks his own prices can go higher. And I'm like, of course, <laughs> of course Suzu says Suzu that. If you shares though, like what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, also that, right? This is like a lot of it is on the responsibility of the, the people partaking in these games. Right. And so like I as soon as I got into Frentech, like I said, I understood that the, okay, this is a transfer from small to big. Like mm. many small accounts are going to be buying the shares of the big accounts, and then the big accounts are going to accumulate the ether, and then they're going to promote, promote their accounts and say which should try and incentivize more people to buy their shares so they can mm -hmm. get more trading fees. And I realized mm -hmm. that like as soon as I got in there, mm -hmm. which is why I did that. Like I'm going to give away my trading fees to some of my to one of my shareholders inside of seven days, which is both me pumping my own shares and then also giving away the accumulated revenue because I didn't want like to have any sort of evil ascribed to me. So I'm playing the game and also trying to do my, put my best for, foot forward with it. So that, that was my approach. And I think like a lot of people need to, well, it, it, uh, the responsibility that people are trying to ascribe to the friend tech platform 
should also be beholden upon the people who are managing their own chairs. Yes. Technology is a tool, is a neutral tool, hopefully. Um, and it's really about how you use it and what you do with it. And I also think that we can totally also talk about the way that the platform itself is constructed. The mechanism design itself. The mechanism itself. Because I think the concerns about friend tech is that, sweet, if we get all these influencers on on this imbalanced platform, what are we, I thought we were trying to make balanced platforms and friend Mm. tech doesn't seem to be balanced when it so rapidly um, rewards people who already have social capital and financial capital. Right. Okay. So there's some, there's two levels of criticism here. There's one, a criticism about the underlying mechanism and, and the system, mm-hmm. which uh, is, is certainly valid. And then you're, you're also making the point that the same uh, social primitive that a creator can use to rug their community mm-hmm. can also be used by a creator to build a fantastic right. Uh, mm-hmm. community, right? And right. so the technology itself is somewhat neutral, although the mechanism design mm-hmm. behind the scenes of the system can be either like good balanced or bad or, or something, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Balanced or imbalanced. And, and I also will say, even if you do say, think that the friend tech platform is imbalanced, I will say it's built on the OP stack, which 15% of all of the trading revenue from base <laughs> goes to say. retroactive public goods sure, funding. Sure. And so this is the whole theory, the whole thesis behind the optimism vision, uh-huh. which is degeneracy turns into regeneracy. And so maybe the imbalance of friends is concerning and we should talk about that. But I also will say at least it's built on top of the super chain, which well, is there's- supposed to turn transaction fees into public goods there's a there's levels to that too and what is the super chain what is the optimism ecosystem built on top of it's built on top of ethereum which is an open permissionless decentralized public good for the world that needs to be funded by fees that's how we're funding this whole thing and there's been a lot of degeneracy that's actually funded Mm -hmm. uh you know the block space of ethereum right including some fantastic things but that's how we get a global um banking system that is actually permissionless and Mm -hmm. can scale to the world and can be opt-in so there's a public good being created as a byproduct of that Mm -hmm. there's also there's also a point that uh, van spencer made in our episode yesterday david which is creators don't have a lot of ways to make money in general, mm-hmm. online, mm-hmm. they're often intermediated by uh, third parties or aggregators, right? And so the internet was a force for disintermediation, for democratization, uh, for for creators, but it has its limits. And now here's a new way for creators to monetize, right? Again, mm-hmm. that can be either, you know, it could be Suzu, you know, like about to rug you, or it could be I don't know some creator who's creating a you know fantastic chat room for their followers, and mm-hmm. this is a tokenized mechanism to. To, um, you participate in that and to build a community around it. And so that it feels like could be a net good as well. And then there's also the argument that this gets more private keys and more hands. Right. Yeah, I do think we really should put a pin on the argument that okay. like we are, we, are, we are just introducing financialization into our social relationships. Hmm. Well, Facebook, Twitter, well, Twitter is actually paying out royalty fees to creators. So maybe, maybe Twitter's a, or excuse me, X is a new case here. But like, I think people are forgetting the fact that like Facebook has previously robbed content creators, creators of the opportunity to financialize themselves. And so this is actually restoring that power to creators. I will say the 5% take rate from the app is pretty steep, but it also makes sense for what it would be in the early days. I would expect that to either be routed around or come down over time. But you know, you know the um, the old you know, kind of Chris Dixon thing, and this comes from Bezos. Like uh, your take rate, my opportunity. I think sure. these margins will continue to uh, contract. Congress, and if you, yeah. you you compare five percent to like thirty percent for the App Store, right. yeah, or yeah, like zero yeah. percent, and Facebook just monetizes all of its user data, mm-hmm. gives nothing back. Five percent is kind of low. And if friend tech gets competitors, then that might right. compress to like two point five percent to one percent on downwards. Yeah, this is a um, an adjacent conversation, but the ERC twenty tokenization of shares—that is a contract that got built and deployed by a developer out yes. recently. So now you can take your shares, turn them into ERC twenty tokens, and then they're on Uniswap. Well, we actually have tools like Collab Land and Telegram Rooms, where you, if you own a token, you unlock a Telegram Room. So we actually already have the components to rebuild friend tech without friend tech. And mm-hmm. so I think this is why, like. Maybe Frontech isn't the thing that is going to blow up, or maybe it's not the long-term equilibrium of these things, but you can rebuild friend tech without the fees 
using Uniswap ERC20 tokens, Collabora Land, and Telegram. And now mm. people are privy to this. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think this the current state of things is where equilibrium is going to end up at. Are you a MetaMask user? Well, you're listening to Bankless, so of course you are. The wallet you know and love just got a whole lot better. MetaMask Portfolio is the ultimate one-stop shop for all of your crypto needs. It gives you a holistic view of your crypto portfolio across multiple chains and multiple addresses all at once. You can easily view and manage all your coins, tokens, and NFTs in one convenient place just by connecting your wallet. MetaMask Portfolio goes beyond just viewing your portfolio, though. Inside the portfolio, you can do all the incredible money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets with ease. It's like having a powerful battle station for all your DeFi moves right at your fingertips. So if you're looking to do more in Web3 your way, MetaMask Portfolio is the answer. I already know that you have MetaMask Wallet, so go check out your MetaMask Portfolio. Learn more at metamask.io portfolio. Introducing ETHX from Stator. ETHX is a liquid staking token designed to maximize rewards all while securing Ethereum. With Stator, you can run an Ethereum node with just four ETH, which is 85% lower capital and 35% higher returns versus just solo staking. Stator has a multi-pool architecture with both permissionless and permission node operators to enable decentralization and scalability. Stator has extensive experience in building liquid staking solutions on six proof-of-stake blockchains and is trusted by over 70,000 stakers. Stator has partnered with over 40 leading protocols on these chains to bring DeFi utility to their liquid staking tokens. Stator is actively building integrations and partnerships across Ethereum to bring the same great DeFi utility to the ETHX token. While smart contract bugs are always a risk in DeFi, the ETHX smart contract has received three independent audits and has a million dollar bug bounty with ImmuneFi. Go to statorlabs.com ETH stake to access the Stator staking protocol today. You know Uniswap, it's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap Mobile Wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There's a link in the show notes. Okay, so we talked about the um, you know the haters case uh-huh. and the why why it, you know we should be against this, and then we talked about why it's awesome. I want to kind of ask you what what you think about this, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll maybe I'll frame this with like kind of your conclusion to date at this point in time, right? Again, this experiment could like. Uh, turn in a po- even more positive direction or it could mm-hmm. go into a kind of a negative um, direction. So uh, obviously this is your take, a snapshot in time, I would say. But I, I think the, the the biggest criticism that stands out for me on the the against why Frontech is bad type of case is, is this really what we want to be known for to mainstream? <laughs> it's SBF, monkey JPEGs, and like social pyramid schemes. Mm. Like I thought we were here to change the world. I thought this was like a a democratization play and equality to everyone play. Okay. And so yes, Ryan and David, I can opt into this or not, but now I see like my social layer, all of these people in crypto Mm. whom I respect and what are they talking about? It looks like, again, this is a social media type of effect, so you can get in kind of these bubbles, but it looks like everybody's talking about this Ponzi pyramid scheme and getting excited Mm -hmm. about it. And maybe it looks like they're shilling it to me. Mm -hmm. And they see this and they're like, WTF, layer zero. I thought that the social layer of crypto stood for more than this. So- I guess where do you where do you stand on all of this at this point? So we talked about the against use case and the and the, you know like the the for use case. What's uh your take after absorbing this kind of kind of reaction in this opinion? Part of what I consider to be the bull market for crypto at large is the uh, explosion of more markets for more things, and I think I think markets are inherently good. Like I know we know like technology is neutral. I think markets are good because if a market exists, 
then there, there means that there's no monopoly. So the market is the opposite of a mar- of a monopoly. It is the bazaar, not the cathedral. And to me, that a bazaar is something that is foundationally uh, in balance. There's an equilibrium there. Markets don't behold in any one participant more than the other. So if, if Ethereum wins, there will be more markets for more things. I think actually the case, the bull case for Ethereum for crypto is like market maximalism. And so I think that is inherently tied to the financialization of things. And I think we kind of need to accept that. And I think that this is good because more markets implies fairness and decentralization. Now, when we have these new um, uh, new things, new we, when we discover something on the crypto frontier, what happens first? The apes and the gambling and the speculation rush there sooner than everything else mm. because there's profits to be made. And mm. this is just because of this thing called price discovery. And so, like, uh, as somebody who's been on Friends Tech for almost two weeks now, um, my my trading volume in days one through five were insane, very high. And then, like, the big wave of adoption came in, and my my market volume was still pretty good, even with this new influx of new people. I don't think somebody, I don't think a share of mine has been traded in the last two days because the 66 people of that are in my shareholder room, we're just chatting. We're just hanging out. They're asking me questions. There's no churn anymore. And I think because the speculation has gone away and now we've discovered an equilibrium where actually the value of my shares is reflective of the actual value and time and energy that I'm injecting into my room. And so the apes come first and they leave a real bad taste in everyone's mouth because it's degeneracy, it's speculation, it's risk-taking, it's financialization. But then the equilibrium that sets in afterwards is more or less invisible and creators are just creating and market participants are participating. And so that's the utility phase. And so I, I think a lot of bad taste comes just because that is the natural order of markets. Like when markets are established, I don't know if you've ever um, custom, uh, if you've ever minted a Uniswap market, Ryan, or been very, very early in a Uniswap market, but like you get haircuts left and right unless you're playing the game extremely well because it's so illiquid and it's just MEV bots and it's just complete like arbitrage opportunities. And then something like USDC Ether pair sets in and we have super illiquidity and there's no fleecing anymore, right? And so I think that's just the early days of friends tech. It's just like, oh yeah, everyone is playing the price discovery game. Everyone's speculating. Everyone's like, blah, 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 blah. But then over time, as time goes on, the markets mature. And again, we have markets established, which is something that has been robbed from creators. And I would say that that's the the good case for friend tech or things like it. That, that's the bull case, I would say. So you think people are just un- inherently uncomfortable and maybe we can't blame them about this speculation type phase because it looks yeah, ugly. It, it does. Like, it's like dot-com, um, mm-hmm. you know, boom and then busty, right? It's, yeah, it's well, that's, that's what people are saying. Like, oh yeah, everyone's just going to lose their money. And yeah, yes, if, they are. if you enter of that, part are. Of the, that, of that part of the market before uh-huh. you're ready yeah. and you're playing with more sophisticated actors, yeah, you will lose money. Yeah. But if you also just buy a share and just hang out in the room and don't participate in the speculation game and you're just buying a share of the creator because you want to be there and get the utility, then you're not going to get fleeced. So I think that's a broader point. I think that's important. Some people are just not comfortable with the speculation phase of, of markets, right? Because mm-hmm. like the rest of their life isn't kind of like that. So mm-hmm. they see things that right. go up and then they go down and level out and they automatically call those kind of like, I don't know, tool, tulips or, or scams right. or it's schemes. Yeah. And like everything productive has gone mm-hmm. through that cycle, hasn't it? Right. Yeah. Well, so like part of part of the crypto world, like ICOs, oof, not great. Like NFT mints, oof, not great. But we have to remember that like that part of the market cycle for financial assets exists before and after crypto. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we don't see it in the in the traditional world is because by the time a traditional equity IPOs on the stock market, all of that speculation by early VCs, the first round of financing, the second round of financing that's not available to the general public. Yeah. And so this is the naked truth of markets. And now it's public and the public is reacting to it. But that's just because they finally have the option to react to it. They can actually it, see it. They can actually it's see actually it for the first time. There's actually a board for it, right? Yes, there's a, yes exactly. We can, <laughs> we can exactly see how degenerate humanity is as a whole. But previously, we were never even able to have these opportunities at all because VCs were able to have like the 10,000x gains before anything would go public. This this market maximalism that you said is kind of inherent with with crypto. Mm-hmm. I, like I agree that that's the take. And I also go back to kind of the 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 deeper thing. And this is the 
best encapsulated in our episode with, with Molly White. Like she hears what you're saying and you're basically like, uh, trust me, bro. Once, yeah. w- once we get through this like a uh, financialization cycle, everything's going to be net better. Right. right. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, by net better, you mean you get richer. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> you and your friends get more powerful and more rich. Right. And, um, you know, gotta say on the back of 2022, touche. Yeah. All right. Um, and also I just don't think that that, like, I do think that free markets and the ability to own digital property is a net good mm-hmm. that is worth going through these painful speculation phases. And, um, that, that's almost like, I don't think we've fully seen that yet, right? Mm-hmm. I think we've seen it in, in, in fits and starts, right? Now there's a thing called Bitcoin. It actually has some liquidity. Now there's a thing called Ether. It has some liquidity. Anyone can spin up a Uniswap market. Like we are helping communities in Africa, communities in Argentina get out of their repressive government systems, get access to a public open internet native banking system. Like that is the, those are some of the net good that we've created. But like to the point, I'm not sure that the net good yet, yet outweighs some of the net bad experiments Mm -hmm. that we've seen. And it's almost like an article of faith that it will at some point. I I think probably for me, it already outweighs, but like the the, the bad, because I put so much value on freedom, um, like markets, and I see like um, dystopian authoritarian future, I mean, we just coming into this episode, David, we had uh, the developers behind Tornado Cash. They were just arrested mm-hmm. by the United States. Okay. And like, it looks like the charges are they developed some privacy tech code. Yeah. Right. I haven't gotten into the those details are, those here. Are, yeah, I'm pretty sure those are the charges. Like we'll talk about it more on the rollout tomorrow. Right. To me, that is a bigger threat mm-hmm. to like this whole um, living, <laughs> like humanity experiment than anything the crypto is throwing at us with opt-in, you know, social finance type games. And so that's the net good. And that's the prize I kind of see, but not everyone sees it like that. Mm-hmm. And people are very inherently uncomfortable with the speculation phase. I think what is really valuable about these conversations is, is allowing the white, the immune system, the white blood cells of crypto to raise their head and say, I don't accept this platform as legitimate because it's too imbalanced. And I think this is, I, I think I'm willing to give friend tech the benefit of the doubt and say the uh, end justifies the means. And this is just an important, like you said, proof of concept to define what people want and how to get there. And the 5% take rate is really high that from the, from the platform, but that's totally malleable. And I mean, it makes sense to have like to while there is this speculation phase to try and cash in and get revenue so that they can be a sustainable platform and then learn through research and development how to build a more equitable platform that is more inclusive for everyone. And so I'm willing as like the, the generally trusting optimist in this industry to give friend tech the, be- the benefit of the, of the doubt saying like, okay, through feedback through this white blood cell immune response, that is this conversation that people are having on crypto Twitter and elsewhere, we are learning about how to build a more balanced um, friend creator economy platform. Um, and I, so I'm willing to give the team the benefit of the doubt that that is where their ultimate goal is going to go. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm, um, I'm actually kind of bullish on the immune system response, honestly. Like, so I appreciate the questioning of this because... Um, I think the bigger threat to crypto is not sort of the the moral virtue here, um, but it's more the kind of the nihilism that you see everywhere, which is Lots just exemplified by like, uh, you know, I'll get rich, f you, like, and there's no kind oh, of you're and, getting rich, f you, <laughs> yeah, and everyone is playing this game, and no one has any like virtue or or morality, and no one's playing this game in in like a, a way that uh, is kind of. Um, net creative to the world. We're all just a bunch of selfish bastards. I, that nihilism is, I think, very counter to, um, why I'm here and what I believe. So the fact that there is a immune system, a social layer trying to like hold us to account Mm -hmm. actually is, is a good thing because it pushes back against this, this nihilism that we see in other areas of crypto. And I think I, I do also see the point. So I think it would obviously be a mistake. We don't do this, uh, and we wouldn't do this, but if, um, let's say bankless or, you know, any other in kind of the, you know, influential leader in, in, in the crypto sphere, just 
weighted at such they were talking about these types of applications 80% of the time or 90% of time and talking about like the things that really matter, the values and the public goods and why we're all here only like 10% of the, the time. Mm -hmm. And so I think the community is right to kind of call people out when, if, if these types of things become the only things that we talk right. about and care about. Right. right. So, um, obviously for bankless, we want to continue to maintain our portfolio of like talking about, um, the values the of this industry and, and the why and the things we care about and spotlighting the bright projects, mm -hmm. you know, closer to like 70% of the time or closer to 80% of the time. Right. right. Uh, and so getting that balance right is, is honestly, uh, very important uh, to me. And I think is a lesson out of this for sure. Yeah, I agree. David, I've heard you've got a meme to tie this off, though. What are we looking at? Uh, yeah, just to end this episode on a lighthearted note, we have a, a meme, meme of the episode. So this is the Pepe with glasses writing on his piece of paper who's saying, who's apparently on the phone with the IRS, goes, hello, yes, IRS. So my client brought Frentech shares for Kobe, Ansem, and Syphysis <laughs> for, two point, for 0.2 ETH each and proceeded to sell clients for 3 ETH each to invest in their own shares. Client proceeded to get the revenue shares from trades on their shares and now has bought wrapped foo bars. Can client deduct gas fees on wrapped foo bars and bridging to gays? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man, How's, I'm, how I'm looking forward to talking to my accountant about all my friends' shenanigans. Well, I mean, there's that. There's also like the question of like, what does the SEC do with these things? They're they're not shares, they're keys. <laughs> like, I mean, what are we like? There's going to be uh, an interesting nation state reaction, and this is maybe the last thing I'll, I'll kind of finish on. Um, even if you don't like this app, I think the one thing we have to preserve across um, crypto is a uh, big tent. All right. And, and, and here's why. I think that the biggest threat to crypto is remaining a niche of a bunch of weirdos using DeFi and using like privacy tools like Tornado Cash. And we never get the legitimacy or voting power to actually change the laws in our like the biggest threat is we don't go mainstream. David. Right. And we're just relegated to this niche. Our best defense against that is to onboard the world. And so um Yo, even if this isn't your jam, I would encourage us all to be open to ways that normies will actually use our applications that uh, you know we're we're not entirely crazy about today. On the note of um, whether or not all of these shares, keys, or tokenized securities or not, are you familiar with the concept of a, of a lock on or a no. sleeping dragon? No, a, a what? A snapdragon? A sleeping dragon. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's a it's a protest maneuver. So imagine two uh, protesters and they handcuff themselves together, but inside of PVC pipe or like a metal tube, and then they and so you can't remove them. You can't undo the handcuff because of the pipe. It's oh wow! They they basically like chain themselves together in a way that they are make it difficult to remove. It's like there's too many of us. You can't arrest us all, yeah, sort exactly. of thing. Like you can't. We're we're all we're all tokenizing ourselves, and we're all <laughs> doing uh, illegal securities. What are you going to do? Arrest every single influencer? I think right. I thought that was kind of funny. I, well, because that goes I, back I, to the like one of these articles that I think I wrote like in 2021 after the NFT mania came out. Where it's like, what are you going to do, Gary Gensler? You're going to make my flaming sword of fire. Uh, a security like what are you gonna do bro you gonna go come arrest little timmy yeah, right? for his item drop after he beat the boss yeah. for not like registering that yeah i don't know it just, it just kind of shows yeah. the fix that the sec is like walking towards and we'll see what they do about it there you go bankless nation hope you enjoyed the episode risks and disclosures of course uh both david and i have friend.tech apps i think david's shares are up a lot more than mine right now <laughs> Uh, so you should know that. But of course, got to let you know, as always, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.